greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 121, Honor God With Your Body. We are broadcasting live, well, live for us, from our worldwide headquarters here, right in Blacksburg, Virginia. And we are live, we are in studio, we are together. We are riding duo. I don't know if that has a bad meaning, <laughs> but I just made it up, and hopefully it's not on the Urban Dictionary or something. We are riding du- duo oh, it's today. Best to just not look it up. Yeah, let's know? not. We're um, just here together in the in the know, shed quarters, in the shed quarters in, on this rainy day in Blacksburg. It is rainy. I think in the winter I like snow better than rain. Oh, yeah. What do you think, man? Like, oh yeah, you know. Um, it's just cold enough to be annoying, but not cold enough to be the, you know, the fun There's snow. no beauty. There's yeah. nothing to play in. Just get you, your shoes nasty. So how you been, man? We're uh, back together. Been a few weeks since our what, last episode. I'm doing okay. You know, we're in this series on the body, and my body broke down around, that's you know, right. <laughs> the first of the year when I... Hip flexors yeah, and back. Hip flexors and back. Yeah. It was all connected, right? It was all this kind of... So, so as muscle group and, uh, you know, I can bend over again. I can pick my four year old up and carry her around again. So I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. I had, I had advice given to me from a orthopedic person that said, Hey, you know, you got to warm up before you do anything athletically now. And on Monday, uh, at a high school practice, I, I just jumped in to demonstrate something real quick that was kind of exert, exertive. And right in between my, my rib and my pec muscle, I think I like pulled cartilage or something because like the last two nights, I roll over and I go, <laughs> and wake up. And so now I, my body is injured because oh, I d- didn't warm up. You I need warm to pay up. attention you to. Got, so. I, 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 I hurt my back making my bed. I got to warm up before I make my bed. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, we are back in our embodied series, but Jesse, before before that, we're not that into it. So sit right. We have a very important reviewish. Today, in the books and texts and movie things, we are we are actually going to talk tech today, just for a few minutes. You have to just give us your patience today. I am going to finally reviewish this uh, computer device sitting in front of me on my mm. stand up desk. Uh, called the, I don't know what they call it, the 2021 version M1 Pro version 14-inch MacBook Pro. Now, Jess, you know this. I was a three decades or so Windows user. That's right. And uh, switching to the uh, venerated Mac OS that all Mac idolaters worship uh, <laughs> has been a slow roll. I, I kind of came through the iPhone into the iPads, iPad Pros, and I was like, hey, let's make it all talk together. And so... In this reviewish, Jesse, do you want uh, positives from me or negatives first? I'll let you make that call. Oh, give me the give me the good. Okay, the good. Well, okay, the good. The hardware is wonderful. For me, it's just the right combination of thinness, uh, but not too thin, so you still have a real uh, computer. Uh, beautiful screen. Screen is unbelievable. Can I jump in there too and say that the the newest ones, like what yeah. you have, those yeah. M ones, yeah, they're they're. They feel a little bit more substantial without being overly heavy or big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't feel like an Air or Ultrabook or even my my Surface Pro that was so tiny. It's got a little substance to it, but they're not too heavy. It's even got these little four rubber feet on the bottom that are built in, which I really like because it gives it stability Mm. on the desk. Its screen is beautiful. Uh, The design they put the ports all back into this one, so you're not just dealing with like one USB port and going to Dongle Town for anything you're putting in. So I've got I can connect directly to 
HDMI like I did it at our church when I taught Leadership Collective uh, event. There's an HDMI on there. There's HDMI on there. There's three. SD, min- SD slot? For- uh, yes, there's an SD card slot so you can go camera right to computer. They put all that stuff back. Uh, battery life is supposed to be 20 hours. I haven't pushed that that long, but I, I take it out now for, for working all day without bringing a charger cord or brick or anything. Touch ID is great. I love that. Uh, Hardware-wise, that's that's the stuff I love. Now, software, Mac OS, it's it, it's fine. I, I don't know. It's fine. I mean, people say, do you <laughs> like it? Do you love it? Are you like floating on software clouds? No, it, I'm not. There is a bit of a um, muscle memory disconnect because I've used Windows yeah. for so long since version 3.0, whenever that came out in the 90s. Um, so that is difficult. There's this kind of dis- dissonance that I have to work through. Uh, to get through, but it's it's good. It's fine. It's pretty. It works well. I'm getting the Mac way of doing things. It is nice how everything works together. Yeah, seamlessly, that, that, right? And if you want to talk about like the soft, like, you know, software people know this out there. Software stack, like the whole system, top to bottom. Um, Apple is like everywhere now. So it's in my little HomePod Mini in my house. It's in my phones. It's in the all the on all that stuff does work together. So all my apps, my iMessage, uh, my family management, all my computer management stuff is together. I love that about Mac OS. Um, that's uh, that's the huge win. Now there's a couple things that I miss that I'm angry about. <laughs> <laughs> and so just like I hate not having to be able to do wine and communion, Jesse, I hate, <laughs> I hate, I hate these things as well. Um, and I could be wrong about these. So Mac people correct me. And maybe Jesse, you can, you've been a long time Mac person, but like on windows, there is both a backspace key, which is deleting backwards and a delete key, which functions slightly mm-hmm. differently. And on the Mac, you only have the delete key. So you have to cursor around a little different. And I don't like that. I don't hate it so much. Command keys and control keys. They're both there but the command key more acts like more like a control team most of the time on windows um so i get a little confused and my people like you're gonna love the keyboard shortcuts on mac i was like no i love them on windows now i'm lost redoing Mm. them with my finger thing but the thing i hate the most um the absolute most is i've had a touch screen windows laptops for probably close to seven years it's a long time in technology, Jesse. So if I wanted to say like, you know, confirm a purchase on like Apple Pay on the Mac in Safari, and there's a big button right there on my PCs, I just, just poke out and touch it. If I'm like, not nah, look at this, boom, touch it, right? Have you been touching your screen? I've been touching my screen. <laughs> I just want to tap it just because it's helpful. And now look, I get it. You want a touch screen, get a, uh, an iPad. I got it. I have iPads. I've, I've probably, every iPad they've ever put out, I've had. Um, they want to keep them separate. I get that. But I don't get that because <laughs> if I want to, I just want to touch it, right? And so I don't understand why I can't. Like if I want to, I'm looking at a picture, I want to, you know, kind of grab my fingers and kind of zoom, zoom it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't do that. I have to do it on the touchpad. If I know. want to, I want to touch it. That's I like right. that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I hate that. They should have a touchscreen in the MacBook Pro. But overall, I think out of a 10, I would probably give it a 7. Probably on the sturdiness and the effectiveness and the beautifulness of hardware, I would give it a 10. It's fast. It's not that fast, though. Like, people are like, oh, it's going to be the fastest thing ever. My Dell desktop that I got for running CAD for my daughter upstairs way faster on basic applications. And Dude, I think you got these a are Dell? All, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I used to have more than one, but now we just have one left. Well, so. if you end up wanting to sell that, 
I Let me know, man. I don't think I'm there. But here's the thing, Mac people. You <laughs> overpromised so much. And, and probably because you weren't, change your life, they weren't using Windows machines at all forever, probably. So they're like, oh, those loser surfaces from Microsoft. Microsoft Surface is awesome. So here's where I'm at. I don't want to sell it. I usually use a nice laptop for three, maybe four years if it lasts long. And then I get a new one. I'm not sure what I'll get next time. Ooh. Not sure yet. Not sure yeah, yet. But we'll see. Once you get once you get that muscle memory down, you start to ninja feel go. the flow a little more. Maybe it'll totally be hard to leave and maybe. go back. So that's reviewish. Got anything to add on the MacBook Pro? You I, have one of the I've older got, ones, right? I've got the one that's just before this one, which is like um, worse. It has the touch bar. Yeah, right? stupid touch bar. That even Mac people I think is stupid. I can't stupid, even right? like turn the volume down when I'm listening. I'm like <laughs> trying to touch all the buttons and figure out which one is the volume. Yeah. Uh, no, but you know, I I do have a reviewish. That I'm putting it out there into the into the um, gospel ether. underground <laughs> ether that I want to do. Read, let me reviewish in one of the coming weeks uh, that we get together the the movie Pig. The movie Pig. Okay, well, is Nick, that one of your favorite actors' movies? Well, of course, you're Nick, Nick Cage. Cage. I'm a huge Nick Cage fan. Beyond National Treasure. Obviously yeah, you're watching well, the movie obviously Pig. I love National Treasure, but is this some a people, is some, this a backwards uh, 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 smuggling in of veganism? Um, no. Okay, good. No, you could do no, it. Yeah, no. you could do. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, let me let me review let me reviewish Pig. All right, I well, love the movie. Well, Jesse, we did briefly talk about veganism last time in my private silent war with vegans who don't like me barbecuing. <laughs> did anybody uh, write in? No, angry? not this time. Okay, Nobody okay. wrote in angry. I, I think if I would have put like a clip on my social media, like I, sometimes I do this. I want to do this more. Put like thirty second clips from these episodes, video on my social media. I would have gotten feedback from a particular person because. She always does when I do that sort of thing. So we did talk about nourishing or feeding and caring for the body, this kind of aspect that, hey, we're embodied creatures. This is where we've been in this series, that we're embodied creature designed by God, body and soul together, and so much we experience through the body, right? All the blessings of the body, as well as like why we need to care about the body, feed. So we looked at discipline, exercise, what we eat, what we drink, how much we eat and drink, and things like that last time. And today we're going to move not in a more spiritual realm because we're not going to do that bifurcation. We're not going to do that duo, the body and soul and spirit. We're all together on this, but we're going to look at the honor of God, right? With the body that the body is actually meant for or purposed for worship and purpose to be offered even, right? to God himself. This is the big idea I've shared in this series, that our bodies are instruments, right, to be played in the honor of the king, not weaponized to dishonor God or debase or hurt other human beings. So we've seen all the positive experiences of tasting and seeing, enjoying, serving others, working, doing good work with our bodies. And today, if you want to look even at something as simple as resisting temptation or keeping focused, we want to think in terms of purpose, right? What is my body used for? This is something for years, Jesse, that I have actually been conscious of uh, in, in my relationships, you know, particularly with my family, right? Um, harsh words were part of my upbringing growing up. I heard a lot of yelling in my home. Um, and when I did a series at Jacob's Well at a church in New Jersey I planted years ago on how we should use words, like harsh words are like sword thrusts, right? And how mm. words can be used for corruption or tearing down or wounding. I always come back even, to... 
even the word sarcasm comes from yeah. these these two Greek words, right? Yeah. Rending the flesh. Yeah. Tearing. You know? Yeah, right? tearing. tearing. Yeah. And so I've even thought like what is what is what is my body for? Right? What is my what is my mouth for in terms of using my words and how do I use them? And if you kind of keep connected to the purpose, you start seeing uh, temptation, res- resisting temptation even, and in positive enjoyment, right, of the body differently. And so to talk about what um, the body is for, I want to begin with uh, a brief section of Sam Albury's book, um, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies. Um, he, he has a section called Redeemed Bodies towards the end of the book, which is basically like Christian discipleship type stuff with the body. And he begins that section of the book with what I think is a very arresting story. It's not very long, but it gets to this idea of purpose uh, and begins our discussion well, I think. He says this, It's hard to imagine anything more horrific than being owned by someone else to find yourself belonging wholly to another For some, tragically, it does not require imagination. A dear friend of mine was sold into sex slavery as a young woman. It was a period that left many physical and non-physical scars. It taught her to detach herself from her body. It was no longer hers. She says, my body never belonged to me anyway. Everyone always took it, she told Albury recently. She was eventually able to escape and start a new life. During the course of it all, she became a Christian. And these words from the Bible have become precious to her. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. They had been true in an awful, dehumanizing sense, but they now were true in a life-giving, supremely dignifying sense. So here's a, a woman who realized that her body wasn't for the use and abuse of others. But when she became a Christian, she said, I now belong to God. Now, Jesse, this idea, I've seen people argue about this on social media, mainly Twitter with uh, deconstructing Christians and things saying that they hated this idea that my body is not my own. Um, now, there's one sense, right, where we can concur with that. If we say our body's not our own and it's just being used and abused by other people, right, then that is a massive, massive problem, specifically if there's abuse or even spiritual abuse involved in those kind of stories. But when we look at who Jesus really is, right, the kind and good shepherd to his sheep, uh, the one who, you know, we were bought at a price, brings us into a fold and to a family to guide and care for and lead us. Then we see this idea of God, right, um, buying us with a price that in, in us really belonging to God is truly, truly dignifying in a deep way. Yeah, that's right. I mean, even thinking, and, and you're right, I, I've been um, doing a pretty deep dive into some... Uh, um, Deconstructing, you know, yeah, and, some books and yeah. some podcasts that are um, really kind of pulling apart certain things of maybe traditional Christian sexual ethics and different things like that. And there is a kind of sense in which First Corinthians six and seven is one of the most offending uh, sections of the Bible for for those folks. Yeah, if you're not a Christian. Yeah, or if you're if you're trying to walk away from it, yes. and you're like, well, Find this is the thing. hashtag reasons. Here's why I don't yeah, like this. Yep. Yeah, and I think I think there's something that to acknowledge about the way that 
these these verses just in the in the way that that Reed you mentioned at the, at the outset that our bodies are instruments uh, to be played to honor God. Uh, so often they've been they've been turned into commodities yeah, yeah. to be used up or and weaponized. Weaponized, yes. And yeah. in that sense, we would want to reject those kinds of That's distortions right. of the teaching, right? But That's right. Um, that that yeah. would be a human being uh, you know possessing another for their own selfish ends and that's abusive rather than seeing uh, God has uh, you know everything we have, body, soul, everything belongs to God, then how do I worship God embodied? And that's where we really, really want to go. And you can't get away from the aspect of human beings being sexual beings. We'll talk about that in the coming in our coming episode. Yeah. Maybe two, probably one. Um, but the context of this, you were bought at a price, the body's uh, temple of the Holy Spirit, is in kind of this idea of s- sexuality. This is in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. I'm just going to add 18 uh, to 19 and 20. Flee from or run away from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Right, uh, that we're sinning against God and ourselves and perhaps others, right, with with our bodies. Um, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own; you were bought at a price. Therefore, or so glorify God in your body. And so, the point of this is that the body can have a purpose. It can be debased, right, use and abuse of others, um, or it can be used in worship. Right, and I think this is the point of First Corinthians six. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Meaning, right? We looked last time. There are bodily, there are bodily sins, sloth, drunkenness, gluttonous, verily, uh, uh, various bodily lusts. Right, uh, that can include sexuality, can include other things as well. And so, the the thing that we want to say is that how do if we acknowledge that we belong to God? Body and soul, I belong to God. Um, how do I honor or worship God with this instrument, right, that can be played in his honor and to the blessing of other people rather than uh, the debasement of them? You know, and it's interestingly, what Paul's not saying here is um, sexual sin is, is worse than, say, spiritual pride or something like that. And really, when you look at Jesus and how he treats people who are— um, who are maybe have their life is characterized by sexual sin versus spiritual pride. He's much more harsh with yes. the Pharisees. And, yes. But, but many times looking down on or, or condemning others um, rather than offering the grace of Jesus to people. It's right. just like, Oh, you, you do this or that, whatever you're bad and we're good. And that's a spiritual arrogance that he strongly condemns. Right. I think, and I think what's happening here in first Corinthians is, is actually what the point Paul's trying to make is, when you when you uh, join your body, which is made in this is this is where our personhood is. When we join our body in sexual immorality, we do dehumanize ourselves and That's the right. and the other person. Yeah. You know, That's in this right. case, so he's. I think really he's trying to make a, a, a drive home the point that this isn't something you can't do this outside of your body. Yes. And so when you do this with your body, yes. you're becoming less of the human. It puts it in a different frame of reference of purpose. Yeah. Right. Um, what, and this was important for me as a young convert, convert to Jesus Christ as a college student who had been taught one way and lived one way in the world with my body. And then I, you know, I didn't know that there was a different purpose or how do we, how do we say, Hey, this body now is an instrument for different 
frame of reference, a different reason, and then how can then this be used to honor God and bless people rather than hurt myself, hurt others, and right. dishonor God? And right, so, and when you think about, per- I think that's exactly right. This is about um, what is the purpose of our body? It's to honor yeah, God. Yeah, and if that the thing that's that joins with that is to the to the degree that we realize our purpose or accomplish our purpose, the more fully human yeah, we become. Exactly. And so it's the, it's this, that's, I think that's what he's saying is when you are, when you're cutting off your, your purpose as yeah. a human of honoring God, then you are also kind of shrinking rather than right. uh, flourishing. That's right. That's right. And, and look, we will get into this in the coming weeks, Jesse, but all the pain and difficulty that we've seen in our world, in our lives through uh, the use or misuse of bodies is significant. It's a serious problem uh, in the church, outside of the church, in our culture. And certainly for me, this was massively helpful to say, no, I have a different purpose, right? Um, I remember talking years ago to a college athlete who was just talking about females in a certain way. And I just, I don't know if I was just provoked in my spirit, but I, it was one of those moments where you get real bold all of a sudden. You didn't realize it wasn't premeditated boldness. And I was like, I was like, hey, man, you're not a dog that you have to mount everything around you, uh, hurt them and hurt yourself. Respect yourself more than the way you're talking. And and I think for me that I, I got so fired up about it is because like you have a better purpose than that. Um, recently I'm a huge fan of, uh, Manchester United football club in England. If you, if you don't like that, so what? Um, and one of their young, talented, one of the best young football players in the world, like, uh, you know, just been arrested for sexual assault, threatening to kill these kind of really, there's some video and audio that very damaging, very, very damaging to this woman. Um, uh, terrible stuff. Right. And, and this is a young person who's been moored in a culture, where he didn't know the purpose of his body, so he's and he's probably been treated like a you know little king in football world, lots of money, and he's a horribly abusive person with his body, um, and he doesn't know that that's not what he's for. Um, certainly, uh, this victim of his crimes, uh, you know, has to be proven all that stuff. But the victims of these types of crimes uh, certainly were not made for this. Um, and that's why I love Alberry's story of his friend. He's like, hey, I wasn't made for that. Um, and so becoming someone who belongs to God puts you into a frame of freedom and liberation rather than um, this kind of chaos uh, mm-hmm. that we live in with our bodies currently today. Now, Jesse, when I think about honoring God, I'm going to... Uh, uh, break the preacher rule and quote the same guy twice in one podcast. This is again from Alberry. This is in his book on discipleship or in his chapter on discipleship, really. And he's talking about moving context. I think he moved from England to America. Um, I think I, if I have that wrong, I think right. you're right. Okay. Okay. And he says this, I recently moved not to a new house, but to a new country. So, uh, so everything is new. I would love to pick his brain on things he hates about America. Uh, <laughs> it has put a new frame around everything I do. And I like his language here, Jesse, a new framework, a new frame around everything I do. It is not that what I do is now totally different, but the way I do everything has changed. I am now doing it all here. Even the same things as before now look and feel differently. He says, coming to Christ changes us. It changes everything. It doesn't mean we do none of the things we used to do before coming to Christ. We still brush our teeth, take out the trash, do countless other things. Some things we will no longer do. 
right? There's certain things you leave behind when you become a follower of Jesus, right? Other things will start to do, but the frame around all of life is now different. My spiritual location has changed. I now belong to Christ. Everything I'm doing, I'm now doing here. So what does that look like? What does it mean to honor God with my body? What is it like to be under the ownership or lordship of Jesus? What do you think about that frame language, Jesse? Yeah, I think that's that's really helpful. And, and even thinking about... Um, do you think about Einstein's theories of relativity and frame <laughs> reference and things like that when you hear the word frame? You know that I don't. You, you're asking me that to set me up. This is what physics students get messed up with. You, you start hearing a frame, you're like, is that a relative time frame reference for the Einstein? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not for me. Um, no, I do think about uh, this idea of... Uh, like a lens of yeah. of approaching the world in my body in the world and and thinking differently about who I am, what am I made for, what is this body you know yeah. what has this body been given to me in yeah. order to do uh, be, as a as a Christian being different because now i 've been purchased yeah at a price, and I now belong to my lord right right it it's it, I like to even think of like a, a room in the house or or even the whole, a whole house, right? Like, a, what a, what a, would this room be like? This frame be like with Christ as Lord here, right? Um, or what would it look like if like you know alcoholism was Lord here, or drug addiction, or spiritual pride, or uh, arrogance, or anger? What does it look like when human stuff rules here and what does it look like if christ was lord and then that gets into the right how do we submit ourselves to god and allow him over time because look none of us change instantly with all all that we are over time god begins to reign in our hearts right reigning even in our mortal bodies uh through faith where the frame changes and the environment changes and this is uh this is such a good gift from Jesus that he actually wants to uh, become Lord of the house, so to speak, um, rather than leave us to our own devices and our own passions scattered about un- without being unified under a good and kind king. Then we can start seeing our bodies. Hey, these are instruments of honor, uh, not of debasement. Now, Jesse, there's a passage, and this is maybe people don't think of embodiment or bodies when they think of this passage, but I, I went to my mind right to this. of like, how does practically, because we want to help, we want to be helpful here, right? About We don't want to just talk about Einstein theories of special rel- relativity here, Jesse. We want to be helpful <laughs> in our frame of rest, in, in our lives. Like, hey, what does it look like, right, to honor God with our physical bodies. And I, I came right to First Timothy 4.12. says, let no one despise you for your youth. That's a bodily experience in itself. But set the believers an example. Okay, Christi- Christian faith is a, an example setting and following reality and community following after Jesus. The, 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 the ultimate example. Set an example in speech, in conduct, in love, and in faith, and in purity. Um, this is First uh, Timothy four twelve. Now, examples right means something. There's a visible pattern or a modeling of life, right? Examples are seen. I, they're embodied. They're next to us. They're in life with us. Uh, Jesse, what do you think, man, about the importance of having good examples? Yeah, I mean, I think I think 
Well, first of all, I, I love that you went to First Timothy 4. We've been in First Timothy 4 a little bit because, or in First Timothy, because this is, you, you really see in Ephesus that there's all these kind of competing views about the body, and some of them were the were requiring abstinence from things. In, yeah. in other words, saying touch, all that taste, stuff, food, stay away bad. from it. Yeah. It's all bad. Your body's bad, and this it's like a positive example. Rather than that, even though you're young, don't let don't let your youth and how you look right. You're, yeah. you know, Timothy likely probably couldn't grow a beard. Right? Got a little you know? peach fuzz, yeah. trying to grow don't a hipster let, mustache. You <laughs> can't pull it off yet. Yeah. And, and, and really, the way to overcome that isn't to you know I I, I joke about um, you know the the people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care yeah i joke that really it's people don't care how much you know until they know how much you know you just got to tell them how much you know and, but paul's saying that's not it right it's not it's not have dimis- you ever seen that amongst theologians <laughs> all the time no, no, anyway no. Uh, i'm not going to get into that but but really what he's saying is make your your life your embodied life should be a a sign right yeah. and here the example is is probably the, the Greek where there's is is from tupas, right? Yeah. From the type. Yeah. And it probably means not just a model to imitate, but also a sign of what's good, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. like your life should signpost to yeah. to what God means when he means uh living in allegiance to, to Jesus and then provides for your people a model to to yeah, follow absolutely yeah i even think of jesus being the image of the invisible god there yeah. was a type there was an instantiation of the god man that was purposeful in that we would see him and in fact that we we saw him we touched him with our own hands we were eyewitnesses to his majesty is what his followers wrote down for us right and i think I think this is just in all of human life. That's why uh, mentoring, apprenticing, um, you know, when we, when people get married, like when we used to, when I used to be, when I was a pastor, Jesse, I would marry people like you probably Mm -hmm. still do. Mm -hmm. Um, We make them go through a premarital process, but not just to learn, but we give them a mentor couple. Right, go go hang out with them. Get coffee. See how they talk to each and keep other. Keep hanging out with them yeah. after your that's wedding right. day. That's right. Because it doesn't. That's you right. Know, you don't just figure it all out. That's that right. Day. We yeah. formalized that. We said, hey, during your engagement, you have to set up. I think three times to meet with them. It's on the young couple to do this. After the wedding day, we put it on the older couple uh, to initiate with them. Yeah. Right, because they're going to be happy and married or fighting yeah. privately and scared, and nobody knows. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but that example, that typing, that modeling, that seeing embodied reality. Um, is important. In fact, verse 15 of 1 Timothy 4 goes on where Paul says, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. And so, and these aren't intimidating things like, oh, it's impossible to do, right? He says your speech, your conduct, which it means how you talk, uh, which is an embodied thing, right? There's so much in Proverbs, the book of James, about how we use the tongue, right? Do we use it for blessing or cursing? Do we use it for tearing up or do we use it for building up? And so, you know, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. This is Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting, that's tearing down talk, come out of your mouths, but only such as for good, for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace for those who hear. So if you've got a problem running your mouth, um, I've had that problem in my life. I still have that problem in my life. Um, this is a great guide for us. Hey, is my talk designed to rip stuff up or build people? Mm. Is it? Do I think through what needs to be said in the occasion? What What is a fitting word? What is the season here? What is the temperature of the room? How do I speak into it so that right we might give grace 
to those who hear. That's an embodied worship uh, of submitting our our mouths, our tongue, uh, to God. Now, the next word, conduct, set an example in speech and in conduct. This is kind of rule of life, way of life language. Yeah, I love that because even going back to um, that idea of practice these things, immerse yourselves in them, I do think it's worth asking the question regularly, will what I'm about to do or what I'm planning to do honor God with my body or not? I think that's a really good question to ask. But if you're right at the moment of crisis, right. you're just that doing question stuff. gets bypassed yeah. and, and, or, or you just don't have the strength to answer that affirmatively. You just kind of do what you want to do. Act intemperately. Yeah. <laughs> if, and so that's why I think it is so important to have a way of life, uh, yeah. um, a kind of, you know, th- that idea of practice these things, immerse yourself in them is really providing um, th- this concept of um, be about it. Like yeah. there's, there's this congruence between, what you are demonstrating and yeah. who you are because of your regular practices of, right. of the body. That's right. It's the old sports metaphor. Practice makes perfect. We all jettison that, right? It's perfect. Practice makes perfect. In other words, how you practice influences how you play. Now get, get over that perfection word. I probably shouldn't even introduce that in a spiritual context. <laughs> That's a sports coach <laughs> saying. Um, we're we, not, say, we say now practice makes permanent. Yeah, practice, practice makes, makes Or how you practice. Yeah. yeah. Will make permanent yeah. that way of life, right? And so I watch this with our wrestlers, the guys that kind of slack around when they're drilling their technique. And I was like, hey, you don't practice like that. You're not going to be able to do it well when yep. you need to. Yep. And so we're not trying to be perfect spiritually or, or but sinless. You do, but you do play like you practice. Yeah, you yeah. do. You do. And so there's a sense where a way of life. And now I, I think oh, s- several commentators, Jesse, on this passage think the love, faith, and purity is kind of a an extrapolation or a, an unpacking of your conduct, right? This is the way of life. And it makes a lot of sense with the way love and faith and things like hope are treated in the rest of the Bible too. So, so if you consider your way of life with your body, even right, are we, uh, what the old school word pugnacious, do we like to fight? Are we fighting people all the time? Or maybe that's physically violent, right? Physical violence, right, is not the purpose for which our bodies were made to accost and uh, assault other people. Certainly not people in your family, right? So if you're a parent or married, and uh, are you using uh, your your conduct way of life? Is it a violent way, right? Um, what what are we doing with our appetites for food and drink and sex and and aggression? What do we do with those things? We we submit them to God. Now, how love, Jesse? I don't know if you've got a great definition for 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 love, but. I, I don't know who I heard said this, but I love this definition. Love is willing oneself for the good of another. Mm. Um, love is considering other people. Uh, and certainly with our embodied life together, it's like, how am I in my presence uh, loving for the good of people? And that, that has a lot of layers for different types of relationships, whether that's you know friendship, or that's marriage, or that's fathering for us. Um how do I will myself? How's my conduct for the good of another? Now, sometimes, Jesse, when I say stuff like that, I start getting a little nervous uh, because I'm selfish, right? And I have needs too. And you worry if you love people, will you have your needs met as well? Do you ever, have you ever had that thought or had that pity party? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Nobody all, cares about me in all here. All the time. Yeah, yeah. All the time. But, you know, um, I'll say in my own experience, this is where um, 
you know, I think practice, you know, in the times when I'm not feeling particularly um, appreciated, appreciated or, or, uh, unloved or, or even more to be more, uh, Frank unlovable. Um, if I haven't, if I haven't been practicing willing self-sacrifice for the good of another, whether it's family or friends or just neighbor at the times when I'm strong, I'm really not going to have anything to draw from when I'm, when I'm weak. That's right. That's right. And uh, so that's why I think it is important that it's a whole way of life. It it is. It's one of those, those inverted realities that Jesus teaches us to be last, that to be first is to be last, to be the greatest, you're a servant of all to find your life. You lose it for his sake. And I've never found someone who wants to be loved to, um, provoke other people to love them by being unloving. It's it's typically not the way it works. Now, when in these moments, though, guys, here's where the love of God, the acceptance of Christ, the adoption into his family is, it has to be consequential for us. In other words, we have to remember. And when I'm feeling, you know, like nobody's thinking about me, uh, nobody's caring about me, I need to remember that that I'm on the mind and heart of God. and, And our Father cares for he's a good father he is loving me in these circumstances and i gotta know that yeah i was we were just we were studying john right now at at valley bible church and we just did john 11 uh, and i just led our our small group bible study and um just looking at the, the the really weird thing that happens when jesus hears that lazarus is sick yeah and then he it says uh jesus loved lazarus and Mary and Martha. And so he waited two more days before he went. Yeah. And so there's this kind of thing where it's real like, clear in the Greek too, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Where, where I read it and I'm yeah. like, if you love them, why well, you should have been like, go, go fix it. Yeah. Pick up, pick up the robe and run, you know, yeah. but, but, uh, and of course, Mary and Martha, that's how they experienced it. Right. If you would have been here. Yeah. There's this sense of like, for me, love means, I should feel good. Yeah. And Jesus is like, I love you so much that I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to be number one, be moved to weep, yeah. um, demonstrate love, but I'm, and I'm going to raise Lazarus. So Lazarus is going to have his life back. Yeah. And then you get to see glory. You wouldn't have seen right. if I would have shortchanged this suffering. That's right. And that's so right. even that, that's a good reminder for me. Like even those times where I'm like, what? If you would just do things differently. My life would be better and I'd feel more loved. It's like, yeah. well, that doesn't mean that, it's because Jesus isn't loving me in the moment. We 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 act like we've written a, a screenplay for the movie ourselves. We've written the script and we've hired God to be the director of my play, and that ain't it's, it's right. not the way it works, man. That's not it. And so, yeah, remembering that when I feel unloved helps me that that I am a recipient. I'm an object of the love of God. I'm a person loved by God, and so conduct, way of life, well, way of love. Um, faith. Now this is discussed like this in the interpretation of what he means faith here. A lot of times people read faith in the Bible and they go to kind of like your trusting in God, your belief in God. And here I think the word means faithfulness, both to God and and kind of trustworthiness in community. Mm. In other words, a faithful person, right? You're setting an example in love the way you love, but also in faith. Your conduct is faithful. It's trustworthy uh, in in the sense that the way you interact with other people. Um, and of course, that's faithfulness to God if you're having integrity in, in the way you react. And then finally, the last word there is and in purity. Now, 
I'm going to bridge a little bit to our future episodes here. This is a word that kind of means moral or bodily defilement or integrity with the body. Uh, And certainly that will get into sexuality. And, Jesse, the purpose of sexuality. This was such a revelation to me. Because even after I became a Christian, I I kind of was getting the message that, uh, you know, as a college student, it was like, you know, quit getting drunk. Okay. <laughs> I shouldn't get drunk anymore. It's, you know, drunk leads to debauchery. First, uh, Ephesians 5, 18. Um, and then like, yeah, stop, stop sleeping around. Right. So stop getting drunk, stop getting naked. Um, and I, and, and I really felt like I wanted to know more like, Hey, um, okay. Is the Christian teaching, and I even asked some people this, is the Christian, uh, teaching on sexuality, don't do it, get married, then you can do it, and we don't say much more. And I and I was interacting with folks that had been through youth groups where it kind of like, hey, just keep yourself, and then you're on your own. And so I did a deep dive, and I actually wrote an ebook. It's on my uh, Power of Change website, uh, powerofchange.org. We'll put it in the show notes about glory, the glory of God and sexuality, where I started backing up and saying, hey, what is the purpose of this? Because I could never really understand this idea of purity or defilement or sexual immorality without this idea of purpose. What is the game we're playing here? What are we doing? What are we attempting to do? What is the purpose of the joining of human bodies before God? And when you answer that question, right, then you can start looking at the commands of God about defilement or purity and things like that. And so, but it's a big part of who we are as human beings and God made it that way, and he gave it purpose. We don't know that purpose. We unleash something into the world uh, that, if we've all seen, uh, can hurt us deeply. I can't wait to talk about that, Reed, because when I think about, back to my own coming, because you, you and I actually have fairly similar journeys in terms of faith. I grew yeah. up a kind of nominal um, cat, Roman Catholic, Catholic kid. Yeah. Um, and coming in, like the purity culture of the of the – 90s that I came weird like so on the one hand I felt like it was really weird yeah Um, looking back I feel like that's probably the part of my own faith journey that was the most um, damaging yeah and also parts where I'm the most embarrassed of my participation in them like I just kind of oh okay this is how you do things in this kind of world and uh, so, and yet at the same time, I think purity is important. Yes. And so I, I, I'm, I'm excited for us you to come at it more. at a completely different, I, I didn't understand some of that culture. Yeah. I mean, and I remember having, there was a cafeteria near UNC's campus called K&W Cafeteria. Where you oh, go, yeah, Canes and Walkers. Yeah, yeah, you go, is, I, we would go. <laughs> Sorry. We, 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 we like, we like the banana pudding. So yeah, I had yeah. a group of friends, a couple of basketball guys and a couple of football guys that we'd go there from time to time, just get food, K&W. And one of them was a, I'll just say his name, Patrick Keneally. Patrick Keneally was a, he was, we lived in the same dorm as freshmen. We were converted as college students. He was a center on the football team, center and guard, big guy. So you had to eat a lot. So I'd go with Pat to K&W. And I remember we were both kind of had come to Christ, and we were going to these Christian groups on campus. And I remember Pat just sitting there. He goes, hey, man, all I want to talk about is drinking and sex. Isn't there something else to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Are we talking about believing in God? And I was like, yeah, man. It's like all these yeah. young people who grew up in maybe certain types of religion. Um, it was just all about keeping away from yeah. you know, booze and, and doing stuff. And and there is more. 
Yeah. In fact, the more is what makes those things meaningful. And when we place them in their proper context, then we can talk about purpose and worship and why we want to do this or not do that. Um, it, it massively changed things for me. And so I'm, I'm going to read your ebook this week. Okay. Yeah. Read, read, read the ebook this week. Uh, I give a talk on college campuses about that. You know, college people, if you want to bring me in, I'll, I'll, I brought my daughter actually to UNC one time, Kayla, and I gave this talk about sex and one of the purposes of was procreation. I was like, hey, sex brings babies. What am I sitting right here? <laughs> of course, she loved that. So here's where, here's the down, down, Jesse, on this episode. Jesus sets an example of embodied faithfulness and honor to God. And in speech and conduct, love, faithfulness, and purity, refollow him. And then when we get that, right, uh, we can read texts like Romans 12.1 that says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual act of worship, where we declare the worthiness of God in the things we do with the body, instruments in the honor of the king, not weapons to dishonor God or debase other human beings. Jesse, the Gospel Underground Podcast, produced you and me together at the Bonhoeffer House. Review us on iTunes. Five stars are acceptable. Review us on Spotify or Amazon or Google Podcasts, wherever you want to. If you haven't uh, added or canceled your Spotify account, send your comments, feedbacks, or questions to us that you might want us to answer or take up here to info at gospelunderground.org. We're a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture. We hope to see you out there. Peace. Peace.